For our guests this morning, just to bring you up to speed, we are in a sermon series. This is our second week. It's titled Selfies. We're using that metaphor of our kind of cultural norm of taking pictures of yourself and various surroundings and being able to then post that so others might be able to see you as well. We're capitalizing on that image. I posted some selfies from last Sunday. I hope many of you had a chance to see them. If not, turn to the back page and you can see a couple of them there that we took from last Sunday as well. There's a big old face in the middle of all of those that I wish I could just kind of cut out, you know, but unfortunately in a selfie, that's not how it works. But it's been our metaphor to kind of guide our conversation of how we see ourselves versus sometimes how God sees ourselves, because those at times can be opposites. Last week we talked about it from the aspect of brokenness and wholeness, that sometimes we can see ourselves and our own brokenness, and we live more into that, while God envisions us as whole people. This week we're going to consider what it means for us to be people of doubt and faith, because I believe that doubt and faith are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one and not the other. That's just part of our human nature is is that we live in the dichotomy between the two. We find ourselves caught between the aspects of doubt in our life and faith in our life. It's a fence that we often straddle. And sometimes we lean a little bit more into doubt. We might actually find ourselves falling almost off the fence into doubt. And at other times in our lives we are leaning more into faith. We're going to talk about what that means for us this morning because while we may see ourselves in the the lens of doubt, I believe that God sees us through the lens of faith. And for us to be a people who can live into the power of that, that can move us from our primary aspect of doubt into a stronger and vibrant faith in our lives. As many of you know, Margaret and I moved a little bit closer to the church last year, this time last year. The coldest part of the year, we decided to move. And one of the things that we did was we kept our cable provider, which meant that the house had to be rewired because it had been previously serviced by a different cable company. We had a group of guys that were out there on a very cold, bitter January day, struggling inside and out to try to figure out how to get this house wired for cable service. I think we had somewhere between six and eight different guys out there in about a 10-hour period of time working on this nice little project. They finally got it all done, and then over the next several months, we we began to experience intermittent internet service. Our, Our internet router would just literally shut down and restart itself. Well, you know, that means that you got to call your service provider. So we, we called up our service provider, and, and the online technicians would usually try to figure out how to resolve the issue themselves. So they would ping the router, whatever in the world that means, but they would ultimately just shut it down, do a little bit of service on it, restart it, and then say, your service should be good from here on out. Well, we went through that a few times. And then when that didn't work, they decided maybe we should have somebody come out and actually look at your cable service. So that started the technicians at our home routine. So we had technicians come out, and they would go through, and they would look at our router downstairs, and they would test it with their computers and different things like that. They tried all kinds of different things, and the problem persisted on and on and on. 
till eventually we got to the point, I guess, where we had just kind of complained enough that they sent out two senior technicians. You, 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 right? You know. So these two guys, they show up and they start going through everything in the house. They actually literally went through every connection in the house to find out that it was a loose cable in the router upstairs because we have two routers in our house. In the haste to finish the project in our initial installation, somebody forgot to crimp the end so that it connected to the cable and was secure. And that was what was causing the problem. It had come loose a little bit. It would provide feedback in the system. And then the whole system would just shut down and restart. Now, inevitably, in every single one of these encounters, the technician online or the technician in our home would say, you're going to get called for a survey. And when the survey comes, I would hope that you would give me a... Well, theirs was a 10. They wanted 10s on all of their ratings, which was a little bit of a struggle, to be honest with you, because we'd had this cable provider for 20 years. They had given us really excellent service, very good, consistent service for that 20 years until we moved. And I began to lose faith in their competence. I began to doubt their ability to resolve what I thought was just probably a a very basic kind of concern and really turned out to be pretty basic if you if you think about it i began to really doubt that they could even warrant further business from us and they wanted me to give them a 10 right they were going to have to prove to me somehow that they deserved that kind of rating i needed from them some kind of evidence that would instill confidence again in what was going on between us as business partners, as a consumer that was receiving their service. Now you think about our human systems and the world in which we all live. I'm confident that every single one of us have had moments in our lives where either a service provider didn't live up to their performance expectations or a person that you're in relationship with let you down. And you began to doubt, maybe even lose faith in them. Think with me for a moment. Maybe for you an image comes to mind, a person or a situation comes to mind. It might be someone who told you that they were going to do something and didn't do it. And this is becoming a pattern for them. And because of that, you doubt their word. It could be a company that is supposed to deliver a quality product and service to you, but that's not what you received. It was much less than what you expected. And you doubt that you'll ever do business with them again. It could be in the form of a prayer that you prayed to God, asking God to do something on your behalf, but for whatever reason that answer didn't come, that prayer went unanswered, and now you doubt that God is listening to you, or maybe even that God cares about you. You think about the very scientific and rational world that every single one of us have been trained in. We are steeped in its systems and its philosophies. And in it, it has created a culture of materialistic skeptics. 
In other words, we, we view the world around us and our experiences with a sort of skepticism, a lens of doubt, rather than a lens of faith. We need concrete proof to move us to belief, and maybe even ultimately to move us to action as well. There's a story about a minister in Oklahoma who was in a farming community and and he called a prayer meeting at the church for one Saturday morning. The, The community had been suffering under an oppressive drought for a long time and so they were going to have a prayer meeting to ask God to send rain. On that Saturday morning when they gathered in the church for the prayer meeting, it was a bright, sunny Saturday morning. Not a cloud in the sky anywhere, but the church was packed to the brims with all the parishioners and their families. The preacher stepped up to the pulpit and he posed to his congregants one simple question. He said to them, now you all know why we are here. We're here to pray for rain. But I got one question for you. How come nobody brought an umbrella? Right? You know? We need that concrete kind of proof to be able to believe, to move us to action. You know, these stories might describe how we operate in the world. Many of us may need concrete belief or concrete proof for us to have belief, for us to act. We might also be the materialistic skeptics. In the scriptures, Thomas emulates this for us. One commentator actually is the one who coined that phrase about Thomas, calls him the materialistic skeptic. He is the one who's initially on the fence of doubt, but through his encounter with Christ, he moves over to be a person of great faith. And through him, we could see how maybe we could also move from doubt to faith In our own lives. If you think about the example of Thomas, it's replete in the Gospel of John. There's a couple of different instances where his kind of materialistic skepticism comes out in his very actions and his words. Consider the story of Lazarus. Jesus and his disciples hear that his friend Lazarus has died. But Jesus didn't go immediately. He waited a few days. And when they heard about this, Jesus said, Lazarus has died, and it's for your sakes. I'm glad that we were not there, because through this you will believe. So let's go. And Thomas was the first one to to rally around Jesus in that moment. And he said, yeah, Jesus, let's go so that we might... And do you remember what the scripture says? So that we might die, is what Thomas says. Because Thomas is still operating in this kind of skepticism of the world around him. And all that had been amassed around Jesus as those who wanted to kill Jesus and his disciples. And so Thomas is afraid of going out into this adventure. He's afraid of being known. He's afraid of being seen with Jesus as he comes to this time of healing. Thomas is operating in his doubt. And the same is is true now as they come to this time of the resurrected Jesus. For the witnesses and the ten disciples have encountered the risen Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. They saw him. They heard him. They were able to be present with him. But not Thomas. John says that Thomas wasn't with them on that Resurrection Sunday. 
The disciples told John, uh, told Thomas that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And Thomas says, I'm only going to believe it if I can touch what? Do you remember? His hands and his side. Thomas wanted concrete proof. He wanted to be able to touch the literal wounds of Jesus in that moment. Eight days later, the following Sunday, they're all gathered in an upper room. The fear is still within them. They're hiding out from those that they think might kill them. And Jesus appears even though the door is shut and locked. And he says to Thomas, here's my hands. Here's my side. Feel free to touch them. And Thomas simply proclaims, my Lord and my God. Jesus provided for him the material proof to move him from doubt to faith. Thomas received that even though he never touched Jesus. He received it and proclaims his faith. One of the other commentators for John suggests that there's an evolution that goes on in this story. And Thomas is the most extreme example of it. As you think about the others who encounter the risen Jesus, there are those who quickly believe and those who take a long time to believe. And that it could parallel for many of us how we interact between doubt and faith. For some of us, we might be the quick to believe. Faith is elemental for us as it was for the beloved disciple who looked into the tomb, saw the grave clothes, and immediately believed. It was just a gentle nudge from God that created belief for him. Others of us might be in the stage of Mary Magdalene. A small obstacle needs to be removed for us to move from doubt to faith. Mary Magdalene encountered Jesus in the garden, and she didn't recognize him immediately. Actually, she thought he was the gardener until Jesus spoke her name. And she recognized him and believed. That small obstacle was removed for her. It might be a small obstacle that needs to be moved for you, for me. Others might be like the disciple. You know, it takes a little bit more for us because we recede into the natural environment and the culture and the world around us. We don't want to stick out too much. And so we find ourselves kind of hiding a little bit of our identity just as they did. They're afraid of persecution and death. I don't know if any of us are afraid of that in our culture, but they're afraid of persecution and death. They didn't want to stick out. And yet Jesus appears to them and offers to them what they need in that moment to believe, to come to faith. Jesus might be able to overcome some of our fears that keep us trapped in doubt. And then there might be a few of us, or it might be most of us. We might be Thomases, right? We might be materialistic skeptics because of the world. We need the hardcore proof from God that this is true and evident in our lives. For Thomas, it was the route to faith to see the evidence of Jesus as a risen one. Hardcore proof to touch him. For many of us, we may need something to transpire in our life that gives us hardcore proof that God is actively involved in our world, in our own lives. So maybe what you need to do today is just kind of consider what stage do you find yourself at between doubt and faith? What's it going to take or what will it take for you to shift the majority of your weight from doubt to faith and living into that life? What's the clear evidence that God has to give to you that His saving love is reaching out for you every single moment of every single day. The late actor and comedian Red Skelton 
was known for telling a lot of stories. He, he told a story about a lady named Mrs. Watkins. And he said that one day Mrs. Watkins woke up on a spring morning and found that the river next to her home was flooded, and it had flooded her basement and the entire first floor of her house. So she was looking out her bedroom window, and she saw that the water was continuing to rise. But she also noticed that two men were passing by in a rowboat. They offered to give her some assistance. Told her she could get in the rowboat with her, with them. But she said, no, the Lord will provide. Well, about midday, the water had risen into the house so far that she found herself out on her roof. Stay with me, folks. You probably have all heard this before, but, you know, don't get too far ahead of me, right? But she climbs out on her roof, and she's watching the water rising, and there's a guy in a John boat goes by, and he offers her a ride in the boat. She says, no, no, the Lord will provide, right? Well, by evening time, Mrs. Watkins found herself trapped on the top of her chimney of her house. The water had risen so high. Luckily, the water patrol was out in their powerboat. They saw Mrs. Watkins. They offered her a ride in their powerboat. But Mrs. Watkins said, no, no, no. The Lord will provide. You're getting the hang of this. Good. All right? All right? Well, dripping wet and thoroughly disgusted, Mrs. Watkins entered the pearly gates and demanded to see God. Right? And she said to God, what happened? I thought you would provide. And God said to her... For crying out loud, lady, I sent three boats. (laughs) You've all heard that joke before, right? But think about how we, each and every one of us, see ourselves. Do we need that concrete proof that God is active and present in our lives? Do we find ourselves living more in doubt than we do faith? And what's it going to take for us to move into that life of faith? How much does God have to do for you to live that life? I'd propose to you one thing today as a way of experiencing maybe a movement in your own life from doubt to faith. Something that maybe you can do that will help you see how God is active, not only in the world around us, but also in your own life as well. I'd propose to you that you need to simply stop this week and listen to some stories. Take the opportunity to listen to the stories of people that are in your community of faith and see if you don't get a sense of how God is moving and shaking in the world around us and in their lives. Take an opportunity to listen to the stories of your neighbors, those who live right next door to you. See if you can't peer through the window of their lives and watch how God is moving, how God is active in their world. Maybe take a moment to simply listen to some of the volunteers that you work with or your co-workers and see if you can't uncover in their lives and in their stories how God is active. And through these stories, connect with them to a belief that God is active in your own life and that the grace of God is moving in your own life and that through their stories you can see that for yourself, how it's active and present for you. To know that faith in God means that you believe that God hasn't abandoned you. That faith in God means that you have come to experience a love that is greater than the power that's in this world or universe. And that this faith means for you that God is actively present and working in your life 
for God's ultimate will and purpose. If only we would listen, maybe then our doubt would turn to faith. Here's what I hope you take away from our our time together. Uh, uh, Just a couple of simple things to remember as you go forth today. Some, if not many of us, are predicated to see the world and see ourselves through a lens of doubt more than we are the lens of faith. Thomas was, for us, kind of the extreme example of this, but he was also more than that. He was a dramatic example of unbelief turned to belief. And that we ourselves, we can experience that shift of the weight in our life as we begin to lean more towards a life of faith by noticing where God is present in the world and in our lives. So here's your invitation. A little something to experiment with this week. I want you to take the opportunity as you can to engage, actively engage in listening to some of the folks that are in your sphere, the people that you encounter. And listen for where God is active in their lives. Maybe take a note card or a journal and write down some things day by day as you experience this so that you can keep track of it. And then next Saturday, pull them all out. Pull these stories together and listen to them again and see if in some form or fashion you don't see God at work in the world and how God is at work in your own life. Maybe through that, God might be able to move you into a little bit deeper faith. So will you join me now in a moment of prayer? So gracious and holy God, we come before you in this moment. For some of us, this is a a moment to just simply recognize your nudge. Belief is an easy thing for us. Faith is a centerpiece of our lives. And in this simple conversation, the nudge has taken place to remind us that you are active and present. For others of us, there's an obstacle that needs to be removed. And we pray, O God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you might be that force that moves that obstacle so that we might move from doubt to faith. God, others of us, we're we're more like Thomas, the, the extreme materialistic skeptic, and it's hard for us to believe today. We pray that you might use the stories of others, that through a conversation with them this week, we might see your presence in their lives and from it be able to see your presence in our own lives. We pray, O God, that you might move us from unbelief to belief. And all these things we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus.